0: If you're a tennis fan, you'll love Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.
1: I'm Mike Francesa. Welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast, and I welcome in someone who was very instrumental in my career. Uh, obviously, this is the man who came up with the idea of all sports radio and the idea of WFAN, Jeff Smullion from MS Broadcasting. He's got a book coming out on his uh, long and distinguished career in broadcasting, which we'll get to, but also he gets into the Radio Hall of Fame this year with a couple other FAN people. The dog gets in, and so does Susan Wallman. Jeff, welcome, and uh, Congratulations. Thanks, Mike.
0: Thank you. It's great catching
1: up with you. Thank you. And you know, I, I thought about this when I, I decided to do it. Um, I said, I don't even know where my where my life would have gone and what my career path would have been if FAN hadn't happened. FAN completely changed my life. It changed my career trajectory. Uh, and obviously gave me a, a career and, and a lifestyle for which I am uh, eternally happy. So uh, without FAN, none of that would have happened. Tell the folks from Indianapolis how you guys came up with the idea of FAN. Well, Mike, it,
0: and by the way, let me preface this by saying you were going to be successful whether there had been fan or not. Maybe fan helped you, but you have too much talent. There's no way to hide your talent. Well, thank Mike. you. I, I appreciate really that. But that.
1: you know what? FAN is a, is the biggest part of my life. And tell the folks, you're in Indianapolis, you got a successful company, MS Broadcasting, and you come up with this idea for an all-sports radio station in New York.
0: Well, it's funny, Mike. It was something I thought about. Um, When I was in college at USC, um, and and, and, you know, USC is the long, proud, uh, distinguished member of the Big Ten, uh, something
1: like that. Yeah, times Um, have changed, haven't they?
0: (laughs) Really, but, uh, um, and it was funny, when we bought, we had started MS with just FM stations. It was based on the growth of FM and music on FM, and when we bought the AA stations, we had you know, an FM in Washington, an FM in New York, and we had this AM. And I was sitting with Steve Crane, who you may or may not remember, yep. one of my oldest friends. We were sitting in a coffee shop one night, and we talked about it. And I said, "I've always wanted to do this, uh, and it, if you're going to do it, you do it in New York, where people care passionately about sports, and you've got." I used to say it was a shopping center analogy. You had the anchor tenant because you had the Mets, so you had people tuning in anyway, and. When I and when I mentioned to you know our senior leaders, they really thought I was insane, um, and it was it it became Smoliansk folly. But I persisted, and there was a legendary managers meeting where we voted, um, and they voted it down. And Emma's is a very collaborative group, and Steve said, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "You can't lead where people don't want to follow, so let's not do it." And the next day, Rick Cummings and Doyle Rose came in and said, "We feel sorry for you." You really want to do this? Uh, We're hitting on all cylinders with the company. Let's do it. We owe you one. And they did it. And um, and as you remember, in the beginning, it was kind of a disaster. Right. Yeah.
1: Until you went local with local talent, then everything changed. Uh, And of course, Ima's coming aboard. But um, the idea, though, was right. It just the implementation of using people from around the country wasn't right because New York's a small town. They want New York people. And you found that out. And then people might not remember you go and get the Seattle Mariners and wind up selling the fan. Well, yeah, the,
0: right. What, what ha- and, and, and you're exactly right. We brought in uh, a, a wonderful man named John Shannon, but John was an ABC network guy. And it was clear he wanted to do national network radio, and it just didn't work. Right. Uh, and we made the change, and we brought in Mark Mason. Um, you, you know, the fact that we, we switched frequencies the next year to NBC to the 660 frequency, and, and we got Imus, who always, in the beginning, we always said Imus is great for this because he talks about sports, but he has a broader appeal. Um, and then the real key was putting you and, and, uh, and, and Mad Dog together. Yeah,
1: I'm Mar- Mad- I remember the meeting with Mark Mason called me in, and, you know, I was dead set against it, so was Dog, and he said, you guys are working together or else. And that was, you know, has become the proudest moment of his career, creating the Mike and the Mad Dog uh, team, which he did. Uh, yep. But, you know, when you think about it, um, you decided to get into baseball, you yep. purchase the Mariners, you sell the yep. fan. Um, in retrospect, forget baseball part of it, yep. the fan part of it. Uh, when you look back on it, uh, with the success of the FAN, was it a smart move or in retrospect, not a smart move?
0: Well, it was a necessary move. Um, we sold the fan at the end of the Mariners. You know, the Mariners were, um, yeah, I would say, we added the 11th command, commandment of MS after the Mariners admit your mistakes. You know, we had bought all the FM stations in the major markets. We were looking for something to do. We knew the major league baseball people and we were considered sort of marketing guys and Seattle needed marketing. But what I didn't understand is the, the team had never, had never been embraced by the community. Um, and, and we got the collusion payment. Then there was a recession so we need to sell things. We sold the Mariners. We sold Fan about the same time. We had too much debt. In retrospect, you know, I, I always said the one thing I really hated selling was the Fan. Um, but that was life. We knew we needed to. And Mel, Mel was throwing around what we thought was kind of crazy money for it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, listen, you know, in retrospect, I wouldn't have bought the Mariners. I, I always say. Yeah, you know, there's 10,000 things I, I would have done differently, but my life's worked out pretty well.
1: It worked out great, as a matter of fact. We're talking with Jeff yeah. Smollian, uh, who is the founder and chairman of MS Broadcasting, and the man who created All Sports Radio, which wound up saving the AM dial and created yeah. a format that has become uh, part and parcel of this country, uh, All Sports Radio is heard in every nook and cranny of the country. Most cities have two to three all-sports yeah. stations. So it has become a format that has now spanned a generation and is stronger than ever. And the one thing that you noticed before anybody else and people didn't realize was sports has No growth ending. It never, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And people criticized that and said, no one's going to listen to that. No one's going to pay attention to that. And FAN became one of the great success stories in the history of radio and changed the format and changed the dial forever. And you can see, I think it also changed sports in a lot of ways and things grew and grew and grew. And you know, you've seen that sports has no, Growth, you know, it doesn't have a, a harness on how much it continues to grow. Well, Mike, you know,
0: Karl Marx said religion is the opiate of the masses, but in the United States and really globally today's sports is the opiate of the masses. I agree. Right? It grows and grows and grows. You said something that reminded me of a funny story. Uh, it did change sports. Um, in baseball, people said, you know, before sports radio, You know, if you were a player or a manager or an owner, you know, and somebody ripped you in the, you know, in the newspaper, you read the column, you put it down. That was the end of the day. With sports radio, you were under microscope microscope 24 hours a day. And one of my dearest friends in baseball was Jerry Reinsdorf, who used to tease me. And he said, I was in Seattle when you owned the Mariners. And one of the sports talk guys was just tearing you up. And he said, "You know, I'm not a religious man, but to think that the guy who invented this format and who's changed all of our lives, because now we're on, we're really on the clock, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, the guy who made all our lives much worse, uh, now owns a team and he's getting ripped, proves to me there's a God."
1: True. So true, you, though, you know, but it's so true though. But it changed so much because. Sports talk had this immediacy. You could break a story 24 hours a day. At any moment, you could break a story. And like you said, if you talked about a topic, it could go on for all week. It would. uh, You could talk about a player. Kevin McReynolds' wife came on with Dog and Myself and created a dialogue that went on for days and days and days. I mean, so that stuff went on all the time. And it's immediacy and the fact that it could – have that kind of lasting stay in a city and the right. impact it would have in a city just shows you how, how big it really became. It, it
0: did. And it's, and, and you can see now,
1: as you go to television where
0: the top 20 programs on television are all football games, yep. um, you know, and, and you see the, what, $14 billion a year, the NFL makes it is sports. People care passionately about their sports, and I think as the world gets more complicated and everything else gets crazier, um, we we sort of retreat to our teams and our sports.
1: Yeah, it's and and it's the one place where you can at least argue without everyone being at each other's throat. You know, I mean, absolutely it, it, right. Politics has you know, become such a nasty game, and we are such a divided country because we don't even. Debate anymore? Now we just no. hate. We don't even debate. There's no debate. It's just hate. Yeah, and that's
0: and that and that should be reserved for the the things that really matter, like SC and Notre Dame. No, <laughs> <I'm
1: kidding. laughs> yeah, I, I can tell you you can't get over the fact where where SC wound up. Huh? I mean, as you talk about <laughs> a change in 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 the, I never thought I'd see the day where USC. And UCLA would wind up where they did. I, I, I but, thought some of the stuff I, I've seen the movement in the ACC I thought was crazy. Now this is yeah. just complete nuts, you know that?
0: Well, I can tell you, Mike. In the interest of full disclosure, I you know I've been a trustee at USC for years, and I ended up being the university sort of representative to figure the Pac-12 out. So I spent almost four years of my life working behind the scenes. Um, so I knew I, I I happened to be in Europe when it happened. But I knew that the, the, the economics, and, and it, listen, you know, you can say what you want, uh, but the economics of the Pac-12 were so out of whack. Absolutely. Well, the Big the Ten Network back.
1: changed everything. It made so much money. It, yeah. cha- it changed the landscape completely for everybody because it, it became you're, you're, such an enormous success, the Big Ten Network.
0: You are absolutely right. And the Pac-12 was getting zero dollars from their network because they didn't have a partner. They didn't have Fox or ESPN. And we were in a $25, 30000000 million hole. And then you had all the other issues. So I think our president just finally just said, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. And she pulled the plug.
1: Yeah. We're talking with yeah. Jeff Smullian, uh, who will be inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame this November uh, with a couple of the FAN folks that I mentioned, founder and chairman of MS Broadcasting, the man who created uh, WFAN, created All Sports Radio. Jeff, you've stayed in the business all these years. You've been a prominent figure in the business all these years. Where is radio
0: right now? Well, Mike, in in, in in the interest of full disclosure, we're sort of getting out of it now. We have we just have two stations in New York. We're just closing on the sale of Indianapolis. And nobody loves radio more than I do, um, but it is challenged. Uh, it's challenged for a thousand reasons. I won't bore you with on this podcast. Well, let me put it It'll this way: in around. terms that
1: the average person who doesn't understand our business as well as we might, it is squeezed between television. And social media, it's it's in the squeeze between the two,
0: and and death by a thousand cuts with with streaming and and social media and podcasting, and while still a lot of people listen to radio, they listen less, fewer of, fewer of them listen, um, and you know the the thing I always loved about our company was we were good at taking on challenges and making things work, and what I've said is over the last decade. Running a radio company is like pushing water uphill, and it gets very tiring. So we finally said, look, let's do some other stuff. And nobody will ever love radio as much as we did. We always did. But it was time to do other things.
1: Well, radio, people have talked about radio's death since the advent of television, and they were wrong. Right. Completely wrong. They've always been wrong about radio's death. Uh, because right. it's incredibly, it, it's unique and it's incredibly popular. And it's a, and it is a great medium. It is theater right. to mind. It is, it is a great, when it's done well, it's a great medium. Right. But I look at the economics now of podcasting. Yeah. I look at the economics now of radio stations and I don't see anything that makes sense anymore.
0: It is, it is tough math. It was all, you know, we used to joke with streaming with the rise of streaming And people don't realize that between data charges and music licensing, you don't have it in talk. But we used to say every time you take a listener from over the air to streaming, same listener, same content, they're like a 30% profit margin over the air, and they're a minus 10 loss margin in streaming. Um, So a lot of the math, it just its you know, Mike, I always say all of life's a math question. And the math just got tougher and tougher. It'll always be around. Radio will always be around. There's a need for the localism. There's a need for the community involvement. But it is definitely, it is such a different business than when you and I started out a long time ago.
1: You know, I didn't expect, when I decided to leave FAN, I got these podcast companies came after me one after another. And I kept saying, I didn't want to do podcasts. Yeah. Finally, I've come back and done one because these gambling companies have so much money that I, I couldn't pass it up. I mean, that's just right. the, the, that's right. just the truth of it. OK, I, I know where their money's from. We know where right. their money's from. But the average podcaster is is podcasting from someone who understand this a, as much as you do. And you're one of the leading guys. Uh, and I tell the audience this one of the leading radio people in the world. Yeah. Do you see podcasting as a viable alternative and a successful business and on its own?
0: Well let me, let me give you another math question. There are about three million podcasts, okay? Right. And of those three million, maybe two hundred of them make money.
1: That's my that's what I looked at from the beginning. Now they come right. in now and the gambling companies have a different idea. They're just trying to get their name out front and they want to and be noticed. Is, that, they they come to bubble. me because they want me to put them on the map. That's why. Right. And, and, you know, and, I've, yeah. I can do that for them and they have been very happy with it. But I understand that, that idea. And I understand the logic and the money behind it. What I right. don't understand is what you said about the average. Everybody can start a podcast, but I right. don't know how they could make any money at it
0: well, I, I always, when I, I speak to college kids, I always say, do something that's a that can make money not be a hobby. Uh, and the problem is for of those three million podcasters, again, co- <laughs> close to three million of them are hobbies. They can't get enough audience. they can't sell advertising. Um, but it's it's like a shiny new object. People throw a lot against the wall. There will be enduring podcasts. there will be podcasts that people care about. You know, when when there's somebody like you, who people care about, and you have a brand, people will listen.
1: Yeah, you just but, hit the word. You, it, that's what I told the kids when I've spoken to them. Uh, yeah. Jeff, we're talking with Jeff Smolian, of course. If you're not a brand, you are really up against it in the podcast world. If you are yeah, a brand, right. if you're yeah. me, if you're the mad dog, if you are a brand, yeah. you're gonna, it's going to be successful for you. But otherwise, it's going to be heavy lifting. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, it's just,
0: it's, it, again, it, it, it's a math problem. If you've got 3 million podcasts, you know, everybody, you know, very few of them are going to get an audience.
1: Tell me about your book that you have coming out in a couple of months. We'll have you back to talk about it, but tell me about your book.
0: More fun than I've ever had. Mike, I did it. I, my my uh, 18-year-old daughter, who's now finishing her first week at Georgetown, I would drive her to school every day for years and years, and we just talk about lessons I'd learned stories. And one day she said, dad, you got to write this down. So I wrote it down. When when COVID came, I had some free time and I, I loved to write for fun. And I sent it to a couple, we had 300 pages, sent it to a couple of friends. And they said, you got a book here. So I would, I got an editor to tighten it up, got an agent, got a publisher. It comes out in, in November and it's been more fun than I've ever had. What's but the name never of the book? A roller Coaster Upside Down. Uh, which is my career. We've done all sorts of crazy stuff, whether it was radio or television or baseball or um, being nationalized by one of uh, Vladimir Putin's allies in Hungary uh, to being an ambassador. We've just done crazy stuff. And when I actually wrote it down, I went, oh, my God, we have done crazy stuff. Hopefully think people will think the stories are funny. I hope. You've,
1: MS Broadcasting started what year?
0: Night. Well, the first station went on the air in 81. So the first one was 81.
1: What year did you get out of college?
0: Got out of college, law school in 72 right. and started running my first radio station the end of 73.
1: So you went right into the, the radio business. Right you, you didn't go into any other guy. business. You never were a practicing lawyer, right?
0: No. I, um, you know, I, I went to law school. I was going to get a master's in telecom. always knew I wanted to start a media company. Okay. and. Said in those days, they said, Don't go to business school, go to law school. I studied broadcast law. Uh, I always kid, I've been, a, I've been an inactive member of the State Bar of Indiana for something like 45 years. If I actually had to practice law, they would just bar me on the spot. I'd be the worst lawyer of all time. <laughs> um, but, but it was great background, and I never, I always knew I'd never practice. Uh, my dad wanted me to practice, but I did what I wanted to do. I think that's why my life's been so much fun.
1: And you've been uh, MS broadcasting and radio has been a part of your life since the early seventies.
0: Yes. Early seventies. My first job when I was in college, I was a producer. I don't know if you remember Michael Jackson on KBC. I do. Yes. Um, But Michael, I produced Michael one summer. Uh, and then I actually worked as a sports writer, uh, for the Indianapolis star other summers, but always loved this business. And, um, No, it just, it was, it was my hobby. And fortunately it was enough to feed my family.
1: And Emmis has been around as people. I mean, David Letterman was a part of Emmis all these years, right? I mean, he's an Indianapolis guy. He was part of your board and a part of a a part of the business all these years too, right? Yeah. David was, um, David was not part of Emmis on air, but when we,
0: when we bought out our original investors, David was on our board for a, a number of years.
1: Absolutely and and Indianapolis has always been the home of MS all these years. All all these years
0: I people tease me what do you live there for but it's home it's been a, it's been very it very It's a very nice a city. A it's a, it's Indian-
1: it's a very I you know haven't been there many times for NCAAs and for the tournaments and for basketball and stuff. And Indianapolis is a very nice city.
0: It really is. Um, it's kind of a well-kept secret, but when people come to visit, they go, "Wow, there's a lot going on here," and it's and it's home. My family's been here for over 100 years, Mike.
1: What what's in in the years of Emmis? Yeah. Other than fan, what's yeah. the thing that you're most proud of with with Emmis Broadcasting?
0: Well, the most the the thing I'm most proud of is the culture, uh, the people. Uh, the notes I get from people who've been here, um, in terms of successes, probably inventing hip hop radio, you know, power 106 and then hot 97 were the two leading hip hop stations of the world for many years, um, sort of revitalizing album rock in St. Louis. Um, we, you know, just, you know, besides inventing all sports, just doing stuff with great people Uh, you know, my people make me look a lot smarter than I am that I can tell you. And what's
1: the future hold?:
0: well, We're going to do some other things. We, we're in, we've invested in a sound masking business that controls sound environments. We have a dynamic pricing business which we, we're having fun with, which really finds the optimal price of, of inventory for you know, zoos and theaters and, and you know, venue, other venues. and that's been a fun business. Uh, Rick Cummings, you know, is running a little business that creates podcasts for major companies where they come to us and said, you know, we're, we're Trader Joe's or we're, you know, CNN or we're whatever. And can you create a podcast for us? So we do that and we're looking for more things. So we're having fun. Uh,
1: and you still, I mean, you could have retired a long time ago. You choose not to, uh, you, yeah. you still like doing it every day, right?
0: Yeah, I my my poor wife, um, I promised her that when our daughter went to college now that we'll spend a little more time in Florida. But I love what I do. Um, and I, you know, even during covid, I would come to the office, me and a few of our senior people would come down here, um, you know, and um, I just love what I do. It's always it's always been what I, you know, what I've loved. Uh, if you read the book, you'll find out that I, there there are things I should have done, which would have created a lot more economic value. I have, I have a favorite saying, if, if any one of 10 things had happened, my company would be a hundred times bigger, but if any one of 10 other things had happened, I would be sweeping streets somewhere. So it worked <laughs> out pretty well.
1: I think that's the truth for anybody. You know what? There's a couple of days that make a difference. You know that right, right turn, right. left turn, you know, you, know it, 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 you never know which way, you know, Joe Kennedy used to say that there's like six days that'll change your life. You know, that, right. you know, where, the, where the, those are the days you come up against the, you know, you, you, you got to make a left or a right and you have to make a decision.
0: You know, it's funny when we started the company, I, I always point this, the, the first song, that we wanted to play was This Is It by Kenny Loggins, which talks about that. Um, and if you remember, This Is It was... Yeah, sure. The they used it for the tournament the for a long time. Had the yeah. Tournament, that yeah. was their theme song, This Is yep. It. And in typical Emma's disorganization, our disc jockey pulled the wrong cart and we played uh, Don't Let Me Be Lonely Tonight instead of This Is It.
1: <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> but, but you're right. It, it, and, you know, you look at it, and your life is your relationships, your friends, uh, your family. Um, and it, you know, and I, have been fortunate. I've had more fun. Uh, I have been able to laugh at so many crazy and, and to survive in business, what you learn is you're going to get stuff thrown at you. I mean, you can't believe, but if you've got the right culture and the right perseverance, you get through them.
1: You know, um, you've gotten 9 trillion awards in your life. Uh, But it's still the Radio Hall of Fame. It's the highest honor you can get in the profession you chose. What does it mean to go into the Hall of Fame?
0: Well, it's humbling. Uh, And and you're right. I've gotten enough. Uh, You know, I was a living legend of Indiana and the State Business Hall of Fame and all that stupid things. But it's just humbling. I mean, it's nice to see people say you did your best and you did it hopefully in the right way. Um, and that's very gratifying. I mean, it really is. I don't, like I said, I don't, you know, take too much stock. I've always learned that, uh, uh, you know, you you don't, my late mother used to say, if you have to tell people you're great, you probably aren't. So you let other people speak. Um, but I've been fortunate and I'm very proud. Uh, listen, six, um,
1: six decades in, in radio, uh, is a long time and still going strong. And obviously, you know, it's always a part of it because FAN has become, you know, a legacy onto itself. And uh, that's your baby. You created it and it changed. It changed a lot of things about American sports and it changed. A lot of people have come through it. You know, now there's Going to be already five people in the Hall of Fame from Fan, which is you know if, if we count Imus, who was in before Fan started. So uh, that's we should really say four because he was in before he even got there. But yeah. you know, you, you guys will be the three of you now will be five, counting Imus and myself. So that's a, a proud moment for Fan. It really is.
0: Well, it is. And Mike, you should be. I mean, uh, you know uh, how remarkable your career has been and, and the difference you've made to people. Um, and we're both blessed. I mean, listen, we're very fortunate. Uh, it's been a, it's been a fun ride. Yeah. You know?
1: Listen, thanks very much. And when the book comes out, send me a copy and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Okay. You got a deal. Thanks, thanks very much, Jeff. Thanks. Uh, Jeff Smollian, the founder and chairman of MS broadcasting, Mike Francesa podcast. Uh, back after.
0: You're listening to the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.
1: The Mike Francesa Podcast. Remember, you can send your emails at mikefrancesapodcast at gmail.com. Remember, stay tuned for a lot of interesting stuff that's coming up this week and next as we make that move into another exciting football season. College is already there. And the NFL is right around the corner. We will be doing a football Friday uh, podcast each and every week. And we have some uh, people we're going to add to the show and some other things that we have planned for you as we head towards the baseball playoffs and World Series. And obviously get ready to tackle another big football season. So stay tuned for all that coming uh, right around the corner. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening
0: to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.